Good to have Pete with us. Let's pray. Father, we do invite your presence into this place. And we do say yes, Holy Spirit, right now. Come and do what you want to do in our hearts. Come and have your way in our lives. We open our hearts. We open our ears. And we submit ourselves completely to you. You are Lord Jesus. You are Lord. You are God and not us. We confess that we need you. So we invite you now to come and do whatever you want to do in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and welcome to week two of our Advent series, The Invitation. We've been speaking a lot about invitations over the last couple of months in particular. A couple of months ago, we started talking about saying yes to the work the Holy Spirit is doing in our lives. And now in this series, we're, we're being invited to say yes to the four themes of Advent, the themes of hope, the themes of peace, the theme of joy, and the theme of love. And we're using invitational language because the things that God offers us, the things that He wants to do in our lives, are not things that just come automatically. God doesn't just barge into our lives and take over by force. He invites us into the things that He wants for us. He gives us the responsibility to respond to His invitation. He gives us the responsibility of saying, yes, I want that. I hear your invitation. I want that. And then reaching out and taking hold of what He's offering us. Last week, we were invited to hope. We talked about how through the encouragement of the scriptures and the promises of God found in them, we can take hold of hope no matter what our circumstances, no matter what is going on in our lives. God offers us hope and we look at his promises, the promises in his scripture, the promises in his word, and through them we take hold of hope. And then this week we have an invitation to peace. We're going to look at the life of a man, uh, frankly, about whom we know very little. His name is Joseph. Joseph was the man who raised Jesus as if he was his own son. Let's read about, starting in Matthew 1, verses eight, starting in verse 18. This is how Jesus the Messiah was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin... She became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph, to whom she was engaged, was a righteous man and did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. As he considered this, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in darkness, or in a dream. Where did that come from? The angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. 
And she will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through the prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife, but he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born. And Joseph named him Jesus. Now, Joseph, as we said, we don't know a whole lot about him, but there are a few things that we do know. One, we know that he was a descendant of King David. And this was important because it was through King David's line that the Messiah was going to come, through the lineage of David. We know that he was a righteous man. We also, scholars believe that he was older than Mary, possibly much older, uh, and that he most probably died before Jesus began, began his public ministry. We don't have anything mentioned of him. We don't see him at all in the Gospels after the time when Jesus was 12 years old. Remember, they had been to Jerusalem. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph had been to Jerusalem, and Mary and Joseph were on their way back, realized Jesus wasn't with them, went looking for three days for him all over Jerusalem, and then, in, um, and then um, um, finally found him in the, in, in the temple. And all the, the, the teachers and the rabbis, religious leaders, they were all listening to him teach. And, you know, Mary says, well, you know, how, how could you do this? How could you disappear from us like this? And he looked at her and said, don't you know, I must be about, you know, I must be in my father's house. I must be in my father's business, about my father's business. And, and that's the last time that we see Joseph mentioned in the scriptures. That combined with the fact that on the cross, when Jesus was hanging on the cross and his mother uh, was there and uh, uh, the apostle John was there together, you know, and, and he says to John, behold your mother, you know, and to Mary, behold your son, and, you know, gave, gave John the responsibility of watching over him. That tells us that Joseph wasn't around. So it was probably before he even started his public ministry, before Jesus started that, that Joseph passed. Um, this morning, as we look into a little bit about his life, what we do see, there are three things that I want us to see, that, things that we can learn about God inviting us into peace uh, as we look at this life of Joseph. And the first thing is that God invites us to peace whenever we face a dilemma. He invites us into peace when we face a dilemma. Let me look at the situation. Verses 18 and 19. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Joseph to whom she's engaged, was a righteous man, did not want to disgrace her publicly, so he decided to break the engagement quietly. When we read these verses, often we read about, you know, we think about what a problem this situation was for Mary. Because here she was, a young girl, early teens, engaged to be, to be married, and she finds herself pregnant. I mean, that, that was a real problem for her right then, right? 
Well, we don't always think about Joseph and what he went through. Let's look at Joseph's situation. He's engaged to be married. Engagement in their cultures was different than it is today. During the engagement period, the bride and groom were pretty much considered married, even though the marriage had not, not yet been consummated. Okay, they were, they were uh, going through this period of time, and it was, a, it, it was a legally binding thing. So, you know, think about his situation. He discovers that the girl to which he is engaged is pregnant. Put yourself in Joseph's shoes. What would you be feeling if that were you? How would you react? Think about it. I mean, when Joseph found out that Mary was pregnant, I'm guessing that there must have been feelings of anger. He must have felt hurt, felt upset, most likely felt betrayed, because he thought his fiance had cheated on him. I mean, how else could it happen, right? There wasn't any other way, right? He must have thought she was unfaithful, she cheated on him, so, you know, what was he going to do? Well, he was a righteous man, so his options were somewhat limited. He wasn't going to go on social media and just start trashing her reputation. He wasn't going the kind of guy to just start spreading all over town what Mary had done and call her every name in the book. He wasn't that kind of guy. He was a righteous man. His dilemma was real. And in spite of the hurt, in spite of the anger and everything else that he must have been feeling, he responded to the news in a manner that was consistent with his character. His character was he was a righteous man. We all have a choice on how to respond to the situations that come, in our, that, that, that come up in our lives. Our responses are our choices. So Joseph chose to break off their engagement quietly, which considering the legally binding uh, uh, legality of, of engagements in those days and all, it was more like a divorce. It was more like they were going through a divorce. He wasn't going to strike back at her by shaming her. He says, this is over. I'm done. We're going to part ways quietly and leave her to deal with the consequences of her actions. He was responding according to his character, not according to someone else's actions. We need to see that. His response came out of who he was rather than what he thought someone else had done to him. And really to respond otherwise would have been inconsistent with who he was and would have been rejecting or saying no to the peace that God gives when we respond to the challenges of life that, that uh, uh, respond to the challenges of life as God would have us to respond. See, we all have a choice on how we're going to respond. Second thing is, God invites us to peace when we are in the midst of impossible circumstances. Consider again the circumstance. We just read it. Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph. Suddenly she turns up pregnant. We just read it in verses 18 and 19. And Here's the thing about that. Sometimes we need to stop and just, just think of the obvious. When Joseph was going through that, he did not have the benefit of 
the New Testament had not been written, right? We look at Joseph's situation and we thought, well, how did Mary get pregnant? Oh, I think it says something about that in Luke chapter 2. So we turn a few pages back to Luke's gospel, turn to chapter 2, and we see how this came about. The angel appeared to Mary and, and, and said, you're going to conceive a child. The Holy Spirit's going to come on you, and you're going you're gonna to conceive a child, and, and he's going to be the, the, you know, the, the, the son of the Most High and, 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 and all of this. And we see it from Mary's perspective. Joseph doesn't have that benefit. Joseph can't go and see that. All he knows is he's, he's, he's engaged to Mary, finds out that she's pregnant, and, and thinks that she's been unfaithful. And when she comes and tells him, but Joseph, God did this. I haven't been unfaithful. I'm still a virgin. He, he, he couldn't believe it. He had to give her credit for her originality, for that excuse, I guess, but... You know, nobody else has ever tried that one, I don't think. But let's face it, would you have believed it? No. Not one of us here would believe it. It was impossible. But then an angel came to him and said, in essence, you know what, Joseph? Mary's telling the truth. She's not been unfaithful. Don't be afraid to take her as your wife. The child was conceived by the Holy Spirit. Mary will have a son, and you are to name him Jesus. He will save his people from their sin. This has all been prophesied in Scripture. It's basically what the angel said to Joseph. And when the angel said to Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, that was saying a lot. Don't be afraid is, was, it was an invitation to peace for Joseph. It was an invitation to trust God. It was an invitation to believe. It was an invitation to peace. I mean, Joseph realized that if he said yes, okay, I'll do what you say, that he and Mary would forever live with a cloud of whispers and accusations over their head. Because people would always believe and spread gossip that either Mary had been unfaithful to him or that the two of them hooked up before they were supposed to. Joseph would risk his reputation as a righteous man being tarnished. He would risk that being tarnished if he said yes to this impossible situation. I was thinking about impossible circumstances had a couple of thoughts I want to share with you. Number one, impossible circumstances are only impossible for us. It's first thought. Impossible circumstances are only impossible for us. Two, nothing is impossible with God. Maybe impossible for us, but nothing is impossible with God. No matter how big, no matter how impossible, no matter how threatening your circumstances may be, God is always bigger. He's not caught by surprise. He is not threatened. He is not intimidated. He is not worried. He is not confused. He is not wondering what he's going to do by even the most impossible of circumstances. 
He's there in the midst of it, and he invites us to trust him and to experience his peace when we have none of our own. It's a peace that comes from him and not from our circumstances. When we trust God, rather than our circumstances, rather than the things that we see, when we trust the things that he says rather than what we can see, that's when peace is going to come into our lives. So how then do we enter into that and grasp hold of it? We do it when we trust him and we obey. We experience his, his peace when we obey. Look at how Joseph responded to the angel. When Joseph woke up, verse 24, when Joseph woke up, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded and took Mary as his wife. But he did not have sexual relations with her until her son was born, and Joseph named him Jesus. He woke up. He said yes to the invitation that the angel was giving him. He said yes to a life of living under a cloud, his reputation as a righteous man tarnished, a life of having his wife and he whispered about, gossiped about, his son that was to be born, uh, the things they would say about him. But he said yes because he trusted. He trusted in God. He trusted enough to obey. He did what the angel of the Lord told him. He, he realized it would mean people would always be gossiping about him and, and or his wife, which they did. There were always accusations about Jesus that he was illegitimate. He knew there would be no way that anyone would ever believe the truth if he ever tried to tell them. Uh, no, 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 no. God did this. God did this, you know. An angel came and told me. Uh, there, there, there's no way anybody, anybody was going to believe that. But he also knew something else. Joseph knew that no matter what the situation he was facing, no matter how impossible it seemed, he knew he could trust God. And because he could trust God, he could obey him. Because obedience is a product of trust. Obedience is the key to experiencing God's peace in our lives. Our obedience is how we demonstrate that we trust God. Obedience, doing what God says. And let, let's, let's let me talk about obedience. Most of us don't even like that word. Can we admit it? I grew up baby boomer generation. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Right? Anybody ever have those feelings? How... Raise your hand. See, you're, you're, all, you're saying, I'm not raising my hand. You're demonstrating it right now. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. 
I remember the first time I started going to, into a church where people raised their hands during worship. I, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to stand out and look foolish like that, not realizing that the, I was the only one in the whole place that was standing there like this and that wasn't raising their hands in worship. So anyway, where was I? Um, <laughs> I think I was talking about obedience. Yeah, none of us like to obey. I mean, none of us like that, that, you know, you tell me what to do and I'll do it, right? We, there's something in us that, that resists that. But when we do that, when we show God that we trust him and that we begin to step in obedience, that's when his peace begins to flood into our lives. Because we're no longer resisting him we're no longer fighting him right when we obey god we're working with him we're entering into what he wants us to do and we're walking with him when we disobey he's trying to get us to go this way and we're trying to go this way and that's when our lives are disrupted. That's when there's no peace. That's when stress comes in. That's when everything else comes in that wreaks havoc in our lives. Obedience is how we enter into God's peace. Peace is never found in disobedience. Peace is never found in going our way. Peace is only found living in obedience to God. If you want God's peace in your life, Surrender your life to God. Surrender the direction of your life to God. Surrender your plans and your, your, your uh, uh, future to God. It's only found, peace is only found in living obedience to God. And if, so, so follow his will and follow his plan. It's not about us, folks. It's about him. Yes, he gives us the desires of our heart and he's good to us and he does all these wonderful things for us. But it's not about us. It's about him. Let's have the worship team come up. <clears throat>